Hello and welcome to another week of Around the Nest, Jay talking our way on the Blue Jays minor league organization. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler with the Lansing Lugnuts. Good to have you along with me. And now today, let's start off this week. You know where we've got to start. Leading off the voice of the herd, Pat Malacaro of the Buffalo Bisons, as we talk a bit of Vladdy Jr. Pat, how are you enjoying watching <laughs> Vladdy so far? The last 10 days have been pretty fun, Jesse. It's been a, it's been a great time to come to the ballpark. And the fact that Vlad Jr. has hit home runs in each of the last two games, uh, both just really well-hit baseballs that you knew the second they left the bat, they were going to be home runs. It's been uh, quite fun to come to this park every day. With each of those home runs, the first one looked like a hanging breaking ball up. It's the Duke on the call. Were you sitting beside him with your jaw wide open? Yes, on both of the home runs. And you're exactly right. So uh, setting it up, uh, for the folks listening, Vlad had such good at-bats in his previous at-bats for the Bisons against Gwinnett in that before he had the home run, the starting pitcher was uh, Kyle Wright, a former first-round pick last year. He left a fastball, a slider up in the zone that was hit for a double in his first at-bat. Didn't want to go back to the slider in the second at-bat, so left the fastball uh, over the plate. Vlad hit it for a single. What else are you going to throw the guy? And so he tries coming upstairs with a, a curveball, hangs it, and Vlad hit it an estimated 420 feet um, out to center field. So whatever way they tried to pitch him in that game, whether it be the fastball, the breaking ball, or another breaking ball, uh, Vlad always had the answer for it. And uh, it was quite impressive to watch a 19-year-old do that at the plate. You're getting the full Vladimir Guerrero Jr. experience, too, because when he first joins you, what do you see but a slew of walks? Because the man has plate discipline. Yeah, that was a little surprising, Uh, not that he walked, but the fact that really pitchers were not challenging him at the plate. You would think that, not that guys want to make a name for themselves, but they would want to test their stuff against the number one prospect in baseball. But we didn't see that initially, and it really took some time for pitchers finally to try and test uh, Vladdy Jr. And it was a situation against Gwinnett with some very young pitchers who I think just wanted to go out there and prove themselves a little bit, and Vlad got the better of them. There's Vlad at home plate. And then as I've listened to a ton of folks talk about him, and I confess I'm guilty of this too, then there's the, okay, how's his defense? And I look on the Buffalo Bison's Twitter feed, and every other day there's another highlight of him in the field. So how has it been to watch his defense? His defense is always improving. It, it's, it's good. I think the difference is it's not excellent, like it's hitting at the plate, but it's still good and very good at times. And, He's made a couple of plays. Last night it was one where he had to back up on the baseball, almost from the cut of the outfield grass, and throw a one-hop strike to first base, and he did that. So uh, he's had a couple of times where he's charged a a baseball, uh, slow chopper on the infield, tried to bare hand. The throw was a little wide, but just the fact that he got to the ball and was able to uh, get half the play. These are not easy plays that uh, a big league third baseman is going to have to make at the next level. And, you know, you can really separate yourself defensively from this level and the next one by making those plays, and he's making some of them right now. And I think the biggest question is always going to be, you know, with his size, is he going to be agile enough? We've seen Pablo Sandoval do it in San Francisco, but there have not been many bigger guys play third base. And Vlad has the the good first step, and at times he'll take two, three steps and make the dive and and throw the ball across the diamond. So he's been up to the task with with, – you know, you know, all of all that he's got to deal with. 
Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is with you. Thomas Pannon left you. Pannon getting called up to the major leagues. What can Toronto Blue Jays fans expect? A guy that throws a lot of strikes. Uh, the thing that surprised me the most was just reading about Tom and talking to him. You know, he didn't pitch really before he went to junior college in, in Nevada. He resisted the, the urge to, to pitch. And I thought Arden Zwelling did a good job on Sportsnet. You can look it up online. Um, did a great job with the story. And I sort of filled in the blanks with Tom a little bit too. Um, he became a pitcher in college because they needed arms. And he was a straight fastball pitcher because, you know, at his age, he had never been a pitcher before. He's still working on his breaking stuff, but it's still pretty good for a guy that's only pitched for a handful of years. And not going to overpower you from the left side, but still touch lower 90s, hit his spots, and it seems like he throws a heavier baseball. You know, that with the deception he has on the mound and the speed maybe that you don't expect from his size, uh, he surprises guys at the plate and he'll get a lot of strikeouts. He didn't walk a batter for his first three appearances with the Bisons. So that just goes to show you what type of control that he had uh, in a short time since joining the team in early to mid-July. Speaking with Pat Malacaro, the voice of the AAA Buffalo Bisons, the Blue Jays affiliate, there's a great question that was written in via Bluebird Banter. It goes a little bit like this, quote-unquote, since many of us are pretty obsessive following box scores, I wonder if anyone would like to comment on a player that has looked better than their numbers might suggest. I think that's an exceptional question. I'm going to give it every single one of the, uh, the broadcasters this week. So, Pat, let's start with you. Who's a bison who has looked better than his numbers might suggest? Ooh, put me on the spot here. I think a guy like Jason Lublebejian this year. He's had another all-star year. He's only hitting 229. Does have 10 home runs, um, but he's just a steadying force in, the, in this lineup for the second year in a row. He went to back-to-back all-star games in AAA. He's as sure-handed defensively. It's something that won't show up in the box score. Um, he's playing shortstop right now because the Bisons are short, uh, no pun intended, at that position with Richard Arrhenia going to big leagues. Um, so they need somebody to play short. Obviously, with Vlad at third base, there isn't a need at third base anymore. So I think for, for Jason Lovelobijan, you might look at his 229 average, only 39 RBIs, and say he's having an okay year. But if you were to delve in a little bit deeper, he's probably uh, would exceed your expectations because of what he brings to the table defensively. Let me wrap up with you, Pat, by asking you about your starting pitching. Because just looking at the starts recently, there's Sean Reed Foley going strong. There's Jacob Wagesback turning in uh, with his second start. His first start, we saw all the strikeouts. Well, the second start, Wagesback went out there, and it was one unearned run, and that was all. And then Matt Tracy, five solid innings. How about your rotation recently? Team that lost all five, all five of their starters from what the opening day roster was, and at least a couple of them aren't in the organization anymore in Dak McGuire and uh, Chris Rowley. The Bisons have completely flipped the rotation. A guy like Matt Tracy, who spent uh, the first part of the year on the disabled list, he's been nothing but a, a, a solid force from the left side, gone at least five innings in all of his starts. Again, last night, uh, a tough no decision where the Bisons just, um, the, the bullpen wasn't able to hold it. But yeah, they've been getting very good starting pitching and, and it's allowed a guy like Sean Reed Foley to make some mistakes in his last couple of starts. He's taken two losses. Now, one of them was a one nothing loss. There's nothing you can do about it. But um, it allows you, you know, over the course of a season, you're going to have your ups and downs. When you have guys like Tracy and even Brandon Compton, who went to the big leagues last week and now back with the team, he's pitched very well in his limited time since signing out of independent baseball. So what the rotation has become has far exceeded, I think, anybody's expectations. 
at PatWGR on Twitter tonight, the Friday Night Bash, a happy hour of family campout, home through the weekend with Superhero Night coming up tomorrow against Toledo, and then on Sunday, the activity book giveaway and the superstars in town before the Bisons hit the road playing at Charlotte and at Gwinnett next week. Find them at Bisons.com. Pat Malacaro, the voice of the herd, keep on enjoying Vladdy Jr. and your Bisons. Can't wait to give you the report next week, Jesse. Thanks. Love it. And let's now bring in Rob Fay, voice of the Vancouver Canadians, coming off of their all-star break. Rob, are you feeling well-rested? I am feeling well-rested. I am also feeling a little sad. We're the only affiliate within the entire organization that did not get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So it's another week of me listening to everybody thrilled to have had their taste of one of the best players in the future of the Major League Baseball, and I have to simply live vicariously through around the nest. That would be an interesting list, and I've discussed this with Dante DiCaria, my broadcast partner this year. The best players to skip each affiliate. For example, Marcus Stroman went from Vancouver right up to New Hampshire, left Lansing and Dunedin behind in his wake. That's just a fascinating thing to think about. But let's think about your players currently with you. Let me start off with that question. Who's a player who's better than his numbers uh, suggest? Well, there's no doubt. I didn't even have to think about it. It is Brandon Polizzi. And I know that Brandon Polizzi started the season in Lansing and had to make an attitude adjustment in addition to his on-field play. He has done that in spades. Uh, he came to Vancouver, ate a little humble pie. He's hitting just 216 for the Vancouver Canadians. But the reason that I put him in this ilk is for the simple fact that he has stolen 14 of 15 bases. He has been an absolute stalwart in right field for the Vancouver Canadians. He's played second base, left field. He'd probably pitch if you needed him to. He has become the jack-of-all-trades. And it brings up an interesting point about sending a player back in a system because a lot of times we simply look for the forward progression to determine who's going to be a player and who's not. But sometimes it's going back in that level uh, making an adjustment mentally, having a different manager that can maybe work with you as opposed to just discard you off to the side. Brandon Polizzi, for me, has been an unbelievable addition to the Vancouver Canadians. But I had heard everything from the first half of the season. Uh, he was disconnected from the clubhouse. He was a guy that wasn't producing, hitting around 100. So to see him hitting just 216 really doesn't tell the whole story. About Griffin Conine, why was he pinch hit for in the ninth inning yesterday? Well, there are a couple of different ways you could look for that. Uh, maybe they wanted a righty-righty matchup. Maybe in his previous at-bat, which was a ground out to third, he didn't run it all the way down the line. Dallas McPherson comes from the Citadel. And if you know universities, the Citadel doesn't mess around. And for me, Dallas McPherson expects perfection when it comes to the details, that you look like a pro, that you act like a pro, that you play like a pro. And, you know, you could look at it one of two ways. Griffin Conine just missed four games because of a lower leg injury. But you also come out of the All-Star break where Conine took part in the home run derby. He played in the game and hit a double, so he was ready to go. And maybe just a little too laissez-faire coming up the line in the seventh inning, part of the reason that Dallas McPherson wanted to set the tempo with three and a half weeks to go in the season. Three and a half weeks to go. The All-Star break is done. And so here we go now, Vancouver heading, trying to clinch that playoff spot, which the joke, right, we talked about this last year. You actually clinched the first half berth. And right now, back into the drama. <laughs> For your C's, who are you looking at as a player that you say, this guy is going to be our key to our second half success? Well, there's a couple of different ways you can go. I'm going to take a guy from the mound, and then I'm going to take a guy, you know, defensively that I think is going to have to step up. When it comes to the mound right now, we need an ace. 
And Randy Pondler has won three games in a row. I know you've had a chance to see Randy yourself, Jesse. Uh, but he's a guy that really has turned his season around. And I believe that in that rotation, you need one guy that every fifth day or sixth day, depending on how the rotation goes, is your can't-miss prospect. And Randy Pondler has turned into that for the Vancouver Canadiens. Um, when it comes to the hitting, it's Jake Broat's world, and we all live in it right now. Jake Broat had an unbelievable five-game series against Phil Crow, who has the best record in the Northwest League. They're a minor league affiliate of the, Hill, or, pardon me, of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And Broat had seven doubles in that series. He came into the series with four doubles for the season. He had seven of his eight base hits go for extra base hits. They were all doubles. But I will tell you this very quickly. There is a major liability in left field, and it's a name that started on Baseball America's top 30 prospect list when it came to the Toronto Blue Jays, McGregory Contreras. He hit his eighth home run last night. It was a laser beam out of the ballpark. But his glove, he might as well take a frying pan into left field because right now he is really struggling with a glove. So it's he'll get you a run, but he'll cost you a run. So it's net zero, and that's a concern. Looking over your roster, I'm always looking for names that you and I have not discussed. Joey Polito was a player who began this year, I believe, with Bluefield. He got the call up to Vancouver, and so far only two unearned runs allowed. It is a team in which there are a lot of pitchers. The games are very often shared, and so it can be difficult for a pitcher to stand out. What have you seen from Joey? Well, I'll tell you what, if you saw Joey walking down the street, he does not look the role of a baseball player. Five foot nine, 170 pounds, just looks like the kid next door. But you put him in a Vancouver Canadiens uniform, and he's been lights out. He's one and one with a 1.42 ERA, but he's also a guy that's got a three to one strikeout to walk ratio. So he's got a wicked slider. It's got a lot of late bite on it. And to me, those are one of the most sinister pitches in all of baseball. You just think that it's going to be something offbeat on the outside, and then all of a sudden it bites and catches the middle of the plate. And that's what Toledo has. Him and Marcus Reyes both have great deception. Reyes, you can't pick up the ball till it's halfway to the plate. And then Polito is another guy that hides the baseball very well. He's mechanically sound. He throws strikes, and he's a part of the reason that usually when the wagon wheel starts to get a little wobbly and you think that you're going to end up in the ditch, Polito can sometimes steer that wagon back onto the path and get the game where it needs to go. Rob, let's wrap up with this. They've just announced all of the player-chosen nicknames for Players Weekend coming up in a couple of weeks. What would you choose to have on the back of your jersey? On the back of my jersey? Oh my Let's God. say it was Broadcasters Weekend. If you're one of those players for Players Weekend, you choose your name on the back. I think I'm going to be Broadcaster to be named later. No relation to player to be named later. But I think I'd be the broadcaster to be named later. I don't know what the uh, shortened version of that is. But I think I'll, <laughs> I think I'll take that one because it's the eternal hope that there's something bright in the future. Uh, but, again, I'll probably be a part of a trade, and I'll be one of those pieces that uh, just rounds out the package. BTBNL, Rob Fay at Rob Fay Nation <laughs> on Twitter, go. on the road at Salem Kaiser, and then back home next week. And from Rob with Vancouver, let me bring up Dante DiCaria, and let's talk some Lansing Lugnuts. Because the Lansing Lugnuts, maybe you know some of their names, maybe you don't. They are mashing. They are winning. Let's start with the mashing part. Left-hander Ben Sheckler from the third base side kicks and throws. So Teal hits a high fly ball, deep left field. Podorski watches, and that one is gone. Welcome back to the Lugnuts, Andres Sotillo. He ties this game at three with a wow. solo shot here in the top of the fifth inning. Man, oh, man. 
That is his second home run of the season. Andre Sotillo became just the sixth player in the history of Parkview Field, the homer off the Harrison building out beyond the left field wall. That's the mashing part. The Lugnuts are hitting home runs. Here's the winning part because they're finishing it off as well. He straightens, fires, swung at and missed, slider in the dirt, strikes at Garcia, who then breaks his bat over his knee. The Lansing Lugnuts win. Lugnuts four, Dragons three. This ball game is over, and Lorenzo Cedrola is left stranded at third base. I'm joined by my broadcast partner, Dante DeCaria, right now. Dante, this is a Lugnuts team that has lost players to promotion and wins games, has now won five in a row, 12 of its last 14. What have you seen this past week? Well, the one thing that I'm seeing right now is we've got uh, Caleb Daniel down here at the dugout with pitching coach Tony Costaris and the groundskeeper Zach Severance. So everybody's happy here at the Lansing Lugnuts. Um, they all say hi to you and hi to everybody else uh, in the Blue Jays organization. But you know what, Jesse? Um, I will say that uh, I've seen um, everybody smiling, everybody having fun on the field. Right now, um, they're doing a, a game. Everybody's playing um, like they have separate teams, and whoever gets the most doubles, the most home runs, the most runs batted in in certain situations wins, and the losers have to go pick up all the balls. So I think that's uh, another reason why I think this team is having so much success is because they're back to their having fun ways. And I credit the coaching staff for that. Pitching coach Tony Costas, along with manager Cesar Martin, Dave Pano, Maddie Young, and company, all the Rovers that have came through here have all bought into having fun, playing loose, and just going out there and playing the game that we love. I mean, Jesse, we heard in an interview from Maddie Young, uh, I believe it was last week, where he said the key to Reggie Pruitt is to just go out there and play like he played when he was eight, nine years old, steal every base and just keep on running. So I think that's the key to this team's success lately. Well, wonderful. Let's talk specifically about the team running, about the team's speed. Reggie Pruitt, Chavez Young, Samad Taylor. Has this team taken it to a new level recently? Well, Jesse, we all know that it's Dave Panel's goal to steal 200 bases in a season. So, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we're, uh, we're running uh, a lot more lately. No, I'm kidding. Um, that is a goal. But um, I think that uh, throughout maybe since May or June, this team was not running as much as they were at the first half of the season. Didn't really pick up a lot of stolen bases in the month of July. Didn't steal a lot uh, in the month of June. So um, I think this coaching staff looked themselves in the eyes and said, all right, we're going to put all of our fastest guys at the top of the order, just like it is tonight with Pruitt, Samad, and Chavez Young, one, two, and three at the top of the order, and say, all right, get on base, run, put pressure on the defense, and um, we're going to win ball games." And that's exactly how we did it last night with hit and runs um, and manufacturing runs, because obviously there's not a lot of power in this order like there were at the start of the season. One other thing, though, in terms of this team's speed is that position coach and base-stealing coach, or Dave Pano, has really worked really hard with uh, Young and Vicuña Pryor and Samad Taylor and Reggie Prude and Ryan Noda and all the guys on this team on identifying one thing in the pitcher. That first move is so important. And once you're able to identify that, once you're able to identify if the catcher is going to call for a curveball, or if he's going to call for a fastball, what they're going to throw, then you're ready to go. Another thing that he's told me is that um, he wants the guys to get that secondary lead and that good momentum jump towards second base or towards third. 
With regard to the players individually, to our Bluebird banter question, and that is, who's a player who is better than his numbers suggest? Um, yeah, almost like the same thing that uh, you asked Rob Bay prior, where he said uh, Brandon Perlizzi, and now he has he ate a, a piece of humble pie. Pie. I really like that metaphor. Um, I will say that one guy that has performed better than his numbers is probably Jesus Navarro. Um, although he's batting 264, his average has jumped up from around 220 to. 264 just because he's batting 500 since the start of August, which is unbelievable. What 12 hits since the start of the month and just 22 at bats. I mean, we're talking about a guy that has took tremendous strides, just put the bat on the baseball. Um, he's a very uh, underrated guy in terms of what his numbers show and how, what type of a player he is just because he plays great defense at third, at short, at second. But one guy that has spent the whole season here is Samad Taylor, who has had his ups and downs. Um, I think his 238 average does not justify how good of a player he is because he has 39 stolen bases. He's driven in 47 runs. He has 25 doubles. He has seven triples. He's a great defender at second base. He's the whole package. The Lansing Lugnuts are home right now, and they're home for the next five days, finishing up a three-game series with the Dayton Dragons today and looking for a three-game sweep and then hosting the Bowling Green Hot Rods the next four days after that. The Lugnuts record this year is 69-47 and 47 as a team. Dante DiCario on Twitter at Diamond underscore Dante, and he and I call the games via LansingLugnuts.com. Dante, thank you very much for joining me. Hey, Jesse, thanks for having me anytime. All right, and from Dante with Single A Lansing, let me go up to Double A New Hampshire and let me bring in the Zick. Tyler Zickle, how are you? Jesse, I am so good. Glad to be nesting with you and everybody else today as the Cats are here in Funville, Richmond, VA, as we get set for our first of three games against the Flying Squirrels this weekend. Right now, it seems like Funville is you whenever you're enjoying watching Harold Ramirez batting. True? I think uh, that might be an understatement, Jesse. It has been an absolute treat to watch Harold do his thing, highlighted by a 4-for-5 day yesterday in the 7-2 win in Bowie. He had three runs scored, and as well as a tie-breaking two-run home run that proved to be the difference. He's homered in back-to-back games, and he's in the midst, as we can all guess, of his hottest stretch of the year. He's had a hit in 13 of his last 14, nine of which were multi-hit performance batted in as well. So Harold certainly picking up where Vlad left off uh, after Vlad's promotion, and I certainly think Ramirez, with the highest batting average in the Eastern League at 321, is in for a great rest of the uh, of the month as well. There was a wild day not too long ago. There's Vladdy Jr. doing his thing with Buffalo. There's the Dunedin Blue Jays coming back from a 9-1 deficit, and there's John Birdie walking off with an inside the park home run. Where were you when Birdie walked it off? So in my other capacity with the Fisher Cats as the on-field MC, I had just finished the mid-nine rally rave, getting everybody on their feet, chanting, let's go Cats. I had gone to sit down in a seat right behind the first base dugout where the Fisher Cats reside to adjust my rally cap. And the very first pitch of that bottom of the ninth inning, Birdie flies one out to deep right. Daz Cameron, son of Mike Cameron, couldn't make the catch. The video's on the Fisher Cats Twitter page, but he went racing around the bases in just over 18 seconds. And I was on top of the first base dugout, losing my mind with the rest of the fans in attendance at Club Med. So certainly quite an experience. And I don't know if you've heard Tyler Murray's call of the walk-off, but I'll tell you, I still get chills listening to it. And I have to shout-out Tyler Murray for an excellent call of that walk-off home run. Not only have I heard it, I heard it many times because all of the Lansing Lugnuts players watched it on the bus 
everyone came back in following our game, and everybody was watching it. And then after a guy finished watching it, he turned around, found a teammate who wasn't watching and said, you have to see this. So we are in. It was scintillating, I would call it. Uh, you couldn't have said, I couldn't have said it any better myself, Jesse. And another interesting side experience, if you will, of watching that video, take a look at John Schneider, Fisher Cat skipper, fast 40 times, get from the third base coach's box all the way towards home plate, and he just kept running into the first base dugout, then to the clubhouse. But Skip was right there with him as Birdie was rounding third, and I asked John about it later on. He said, uh, what, I said, John, what were you yelling at Birdie along the way? And he said, of course, I can't show it on this radio interview, but something along the lines of, you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> well, he did. Talk about another one of your hitters. Hey, Bo Bichette's doing all right, right? Vladdy Jr. is up in AAA. If people haven't been paying attention, every time I look up, it's another multi-hit game for Bo. Right, and this is in the midst of a season-high 12-game hitting streak for Bo, the longest by a Fisher Cat since Vlad Jr. had 16 between the end of April and early May when he was in the midst of arguably his most productive stretch of his double-A career. And so for Bo, logging multiple hits in nine of those last 20, excuse me, let me check that over. So 18 of his last 21, Bichette has had a hit, and he's had multiple hits in nine of those 18. So just about every other game you can expect Bichette to get more than one base knock. And I do think with the promotion of Vlad Jr., Jesse, it's acted as a bit of an uncovering for Bo. I don't wish anybody to have to play in Vlad Jr.'s shadow as much as these guys enjoy playing with Vladdy. That said, Bo has really come out from underneath that covering, if you will, and has certainly been a stalwart at the top of the order, as manager John Schneider has been hitting first more times than not of late. Is Travis Bergen ever going to allow another run? That's a great question. I honestly don't know, and as much as I'd love to say I don't think so, we know this game is too crazy, and the baseball gods will sometimes frown upon even guys like Bergen who go about their business the right way. But he did allow a hit yesterday as he got the final three outs in that 7-2 victory, and that ended a stretch of three consecutive perfect perfect outings for the Georgia native. But with an ERA that's continuing to approach point point three zero. Uh, Travis Bergen certainly one of those consistent arms out of the bullpen, and nice to have a guy like that in August you can rely on. Let me wrap up with two of your newcomers. Corey Copping, two scoreless, hitless appearances so far. What have you seen? He's overmatched Eastern League hitters in each of those two outings. He goes out there, and he is going to pump some mid-90s heat. At one point, he got it up to 96 miles per hour the other day, and he's also fit right in with the guys in the clubhouse. It's been great to see him laughing and joking with guys he's just met. He's been on every gym bus on the road on this road trip, so he's sticking to his commitment to staying physically fit, especially in August, and also a great guy to chat with. So I know as a Pasadena native, he grew up rooting for the Dodgers, and was a little bummed to be traded out of the Dodgers organization to the Blue Jays, but of course it's a long and winding road, and based on his performance in his two brief outings here with the Fisher Cats, he's glad to be with the Blue Jays. And then finally, Hector Perez. All right, this feels like watching Nolan Ryan box scores. You're not really going to hit him, but he might strike you out or he might walk you. What is it like to watch? Frustrating day yesterday, Jesse, when Hector walked seven guys in four innings pitched and only allowed two hits and somehow managed. He did his best Houdini impression to get out of a couple of less than two outs, bases loaded jams, including bases loaded nobody out in the first inning yesterday, and he only gave up one run. So, 
fastball command for Hector is certainly something that is a little suspect right at this moment, just two starts into his Blue Jays career. But that he's a guy, when he throws those off-speed pitches like he did yesterday when he couldn't locate his fastball, he's still confident in his breaking stuff. And guys were off-balance despite the fact that he walked those seven guys. And as you mentioned about those box scores, seven walks and six strikeouts. And in two outings, he's got a total of 13 Ks in those two Eastern League performances. So I think Hector certainly has some uh, – adjusting to do as he makes friends with people in this organization and gets used to what the Blue Jays expect from him. But he's going to go out there, he's going to chuck it, and I say to Eastern League batters for the rest of the season, good luck, because when that fastball is on, I think there's very little chance for people to make good contact. My man, Tyler Zickel, at Tyler underscore Zickel on Twitter, the Zick. NHFisherCats.com is how you find them. New Hampshire currently at Richmond. They just finished up near my hometown out in Prince George's County, Maryland, playing the Bowie Bay Sox. So now they take on those flying squirrels. TJ Zoik gets the ball. Dick, thank you very much for checking in. Thank you, Jesse. They say there was no joy in Mudville when Mighty Casey struck out, but I hope the Fisher Cats will take away all the joy here in Funville this weekend. Hopefully they can take three from the flying squirrels and continue their ascension towards an Eastern League title. Hey, have fun. Have a lot of fun. And from Zick, we go to Zach Helton talking Appy League ball and the Bluefield Blue Jays. Zach, there was a period of time there where it felt like Bluefield had hit the doldrums. Accepting yesterday's loss, the offense is back. Ten runs, nine runs, 12 runs, and the victories over Greenville. How, uh, how are the Bluefield Blue Jays enjoying themselves? Jesse, they are having a blast. I tell you what, it's been uh, an Appy League season to uh, to remember for me. Uh, first full year I've been in the broadcast booth, but I've been around the Appy League all my life. And, and this Bluefield Blue Jays team has been one of the more fun teams to watch. The Greenville series couldn't have came at a better time. Greenville not one of the better squads in the league, and it gave Bluefield a chance to show off that offense, just as you mentioned. What makes this team fun? They just go out and hustle and play the game the right way. Uh, they're all up on the top step of the dugout. You know, they're young kids coming off high school seasons in the spring or, or college season. So they're so enthused about baseball, and they're so fun to watch. Every pitch they are engaged, and uh, more so than not, laying the ball game, if they have a chance, they're going to make a rally and make it interesting, and it makes my job fun. And it also makes uh, the people who come out and watch the Jays uh, well worth their money, which, you know, in the Abbey League, it's not much money, but still well worth their money and time to come out and watch the Jays and enjoy some great baseball. Any recent wonderful Dennis Holmberg stories? Dennis, uh, he's been in the year of a few umpires, and uh, he uh, won his 1,500th game uh, here recently, and uh, we honored him the other night. Uh, before the ball game with a rocking chair and uh, and all the guys signed it. It was a beautiful uh, chair. And uh, I, I do a Monday uh, managerial meeting with him and do it for a pregame. He's, you know, he was nonchalant. Uh, it's just another game, 1,500, uh, yada, yada, yada. But that night he went out and managed his heart out as he always has, went out to argue a few calls. And uh, it's just, just Dennis being Dennis. And I tell you what, he has been the only manager, the Blue Pill Blue Jays have been. And uh, he, he is well-loved and well-received in Bluefield, and uh, we hope he's, you know, around for a long time. And uh, good luck to him uh, tonight in Elizabeth. And they fell last night to the Twins, who was who top of the west side of things. So we're hoping to you know, keep the thing rolling 
and see them in the championship series. But, you know, there's a lot of baseball left, 19 more games, including tonight. You say, oh, 1,500 wins, ah, no big deal. And talking with yeah. the Lugnuts coaching staff, they had said, and jokingly, Dennis knows exactly how many wins he needs to get to 1,500. He's counting it down. And so I'm glad about that rocking chair. Has he tried to skip a game from that rocking chair so far? I don't think so yet. Um, they honored him with it after the Monday meeting. So I'm hoping, which this Monday will be on the road, so I won't get to talk to him. I'm hoping the next Monday I get to talk to him, I'll get to do the interview from the rocking chair or at least have him in the rocking chair and me stand beside him. But uh, I'm hoping to see that in the clubhouse soon. And uh, it was, it's a nice looking chair. I know uh, Rocky uh, Malamazuro, GM and the, the gang with the boosters here in Bluefield uh, went out and got that for him. And, and I hope it, I think he'll take that with, with him to Florida in, in the winter. So uh, he'll enjoy that. Uh, and I hope to maybe get a sit in it a little bit before he takes off with it uh, after the season. Let me finish up with asking you this. The Bluebird banter, great question. That is, who is a player on your team who is better than the numbers might suggest? I tell you what, it's it's hard to even fathom, but Cal Stevenson right now is just playing lights <laughs> out. 362 average, a 1,051 OPS, leads the league in walks with 35, 46 runs leads the league. Only 12 strikeouts. Uh, 45 uh, RBIs for Alejandro Kirk also leads the league. These two guys are playing lights out. Uh, Cal Stevenson, no errors in the outfield, made a tremendous play weeks ago, ran into the wall, robbed a, a guy of at least a double, and knocked the breath out of him. The training staff went out to check on him. And then the next plate appearance in the bottom half of the inning, got up, smacked a triple, and came around to score. So Cal uh, Dom Abadesa, DJ Neal, DJ Daniels in the outfield. They've been fun to watch. Alejandro Kirk, he's listed as a DH on the roster, but with the injuries this spring, uh, summer, he's had to catch as well, and he's done a tremendous job behind the plate. He leads the league in RBIs. So there's just so many guys. Danner as well is coming along after uh, battling a little bit of an injury. De Los Santos, Theron, and Schneider all doing great in the infield. This team, I tell you, they're so fun to watch. They play the game the right way, and they're hustling on and off the field. They're hustling. Uh, they're taking extra bases, low ball reads, taking a bag when you thought, how, how did he get that? How did he go from first to third? You know, it's, it's uh, Bluefield baseball, and it's been fun to watch all year. And these guys have exceeded my expectations coming in. I've I, I done a little homework watching some of their footage in college, and uh, in, in the other leagues, the Gulf Coast and the Dominican League coming up and, and did a little homework. And I said, okay, this is going to be a solid team, but will they compete? They've exceeded my expectations by far. You can find Zach Helton on Twitter at Z underscore Helton. The Bluefield Blue Jays playing the Appy League are on the road at Elizabethton over the weekend, then to Kingsport, and then they're back home against Elizabethton coming up on the 16th, coming up in one week. Zach, thank you very much, and keep on enjoying yourself watching Bluefield. Jesse, thanks as always, my man. Hey, you bet. And from Zach Elton, let's jump up to the Florida State League, and let me bring in Jim Tarabokia of the Dunedin Blue Jays. Jim, how are you? Hey, Jesse. How's it going, buddy? Going well. I promised Chief Mac that I would ask him, so let me ask you, how is Jackson sure. McClelland looking? Uh, good. He's looking good. You know, our whole bullpen is actually looking good. Um, the last 
10 games, our bullpen ERA is a shade over three. So um, Jackson's breaking stuff's really coming along well. Fastball's always been there, but um, his breaking stuff, change-up slider, um, is looking really well. It's looking good. It's developing well, and it's you can tell by his body language, he's a lot more confident throwing it. So that's a good thing for us that really bodes well for a Blue Jays team that really, in my opinion right now, has uh, three guys that can close out a game, which is a good thing. And I think, you know, there's no – um, I think there's a correlation. There's no surprise in that Jackson's doing well right now and pitching a lot better. Um, and our bullpen having the RA shade over three. So that's really been a strength here the last week or so, um, the bullpen. And, uh, you know, that's something that we're really going to move down the stretch here and was really turned into a uh, neck and neck tight playoff race. Here's an easy segue velocity to velocity from McClellan to Patrick Murphy, whom I heard uh, finally touched 100 miles an hour, hit triple digits. True? Yeah, it is true. And uh, we're all happy to see that with Pat, you know, and, and he's going to be a big key um, down the stretch, um, you know, with our starting rotation. Uh, he's the type of guy, you know, at the top of the rotation, you know, who uh, week in and uh, week out, you say to yourself every fifth day, um, you know, there's a great chance that we're going to at least get a quality start from this guy because he really – uh, has been going out there here, especially in the second half. Here it's June 1st, um, and has been dealing. I mean, his ERA, I think, is the best in the league since June 1st, hovering right around 2.30. His last outing, uh, not as good as we've grown accustomed to seeing with him. But, um, you know, again, the type of the guy at the top of the rotation, um, I'm trying to think last year who was, who was kind of that guy who just said his fifth day go out there and, and, and win your game just by his starting position performance. I guess you can kind of equate it. Um, to uh, to Jordan Romano in the first half of last year anyway. But, uh, you know, with Patrick Murphy, the one thing that really, and I talked to Dan about this too, um, the one thing that, that really impressed you about him is that as the season has worn along and has gone along here in the Florida State League when it's so hot, you know, and, and um, it's so humid at times, Murphy's gotten stronger. So that just kind of tells you what kind of workhorse, you know, Patrick Murphy is and what kind of shape he's in physically. To be able to continue and how how what his work ethic is to take care of himself, whether it be physically, nutritionally, and whatnot. Um, you know, had to have an ERA around 2.30 since June 1st, getting stronger as the year is moving along in this hot weather, day in and day out. To me, it's really impressive. Here's another guy who's been playing well and playing well as of late. How hot has Riley Adams' bat been recently? Yeah, with Riley, uh, I think he's 10 for his last 15 at the plate. That's really huge for us. I know I say that. Uh, I feel like I say that a lot, but um, yeah, think about that for a second. You know, with, with, and you saw. Um, no, I'm maybe. I'm sorry, you didn't see it Riley last year, but you know, based off knowing you and you're doing your homework, you know a lot about him. Uh, you, you see with Riley that um, with him, he keeps the lineup changer. So in other words, if he's hitting well, you can put him in a certain spot in the order, and he doesn't need protection. You can bat him fifth, you know, or you can bat him fourth and rely on the fact that he's going to drive in those runs for you with extra bases. So when he's going well, it sort of shifts the dynamic of the lineup, and that's a real good thing because it balances out the lineup completely. How good was Joshua Palacios' game-winning catch? Please, it's funny you ask that because uh, Dan, um, Matt, Allison, and I were all in the office uh, after after that game. And we were talking about that catch, and Dan brought up the astute fact that all we have um, is uh, is audio of that. We don't have any video, nothing. So the only evidence that we have of that catch is in our heads, 
And uh, I have a photographic memory, so I remember the thing like it was you know, yesterday. But we have the audio. So I will get to, I'll try to get the audio to you next week for the show. Um, I don't know if it'll be too late to play it then, but um, I'll get to the audio for next week's show. Uh, it, it was one of the best catches that I've seen in my two years in Dunning. And arguably, um, next to the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. home run that he hit last year in that um, wildcard clinching game in Clearwater, which left the bat at 110-plus miles an hour. That catch by Palacios was the most exciting play that I've seen in my two years in Dunedin. And um, it was more, arguably the best defensive play I've seen in my two years in Dunedin as well. The way it went, if I can just describe it quick, was that uh, it was hit in the alleyway. And it hung up there long enough, luckily. Um, it was hit in the alleyway uh, off the bat of Jake Farrelly, who was a top pick for Tampa Bay a couple of years ago out of LSU. And I'm watching um, Roddy Orozco go back, angling to his right into the alleyway, and I'm thinking he's not going to get it because it was hit so hard and it was hit so deep that nobody's going to get it. So I see it going over his head as it's starting to fall. All of a sudden, Palacios taking a perfect route to the baseball. He didn't circle around it. He took the angle, which was a straight line, right to where he thought the ball was going to be in in the alleyway, and he slid, and he made the catch. He came out of nowhere, and everybody kind of just, you know, flipped their lids because uh, Again, he came out of – and I was watching Roddy Orozco the whole time. I didn't see Palacios, and all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere and makes the catch. And, you know, looking back at that footage, um, uh, you know, video-wise, and talking with other people about it um, who actually saw it, um, saw him running, he he actually anticipated when the pitch was thrown by Jackson – and the bat hit the ball, or just the bat was about to hit the ball. He anticipated that Fraley was going to pull it, just based off how he swung, based off where the pitch was. So he was almost in motion, angling to the spot where he needed to be um, before the ball hit the bat. And that's what elite center fielders and guys who want to play at the next level and make an impact, say double A, triple A, and even in the majors, that's what they have to do. That's part, in my opinion, of the developing process of a, of a player. There's little things like anticipating that fly ball off the bat to where you need to make a phenomenal game-saving play, and that's exactly what Palacios did. So, hats off to Josh this year defensively. He has improved um, mightily from April. Um, at times this year, I think he'd tell you that he was a little bit reckless in April, but really since then, with how hard work, how much hard work he's put in at trying to uh, improve his routes and reading the baseball, it all came to fruition last week, and it was just one of the best plays I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, you know, it's always been there with Josh. You know, he's a very, he's very athletic. He can easily play center field. He's got the tools to do it. Uh, he just needs some refinement, part of the development process. And uh, that test last week was amazing. Speaking with the voice of the Dunedin Blue Jays, Jim Tarabokia, five days ago, the Charlotte Stone Crabs had a 9-1 lead on your DJs going to the bottom of the fifth inning. Did you see it coming? Uh, you know, looking back, I was just, uh, you know, looking back at that game, doing some audio highlights for our multimedia section of our website, um, yesterday. And, um, you know, just looking back at the scorecard saying to myself, you know, I I guess, you know, it's one of those things where we were so hot at the time. We were looking to go to six and oh on a homestand and our bats were hot the night, two nights, two nights before that we had to come from behind victory. Um, I just, I, I kind of said to myself at the time, I didn't really think of it. I kind of said, well, you know, we're not out of this game yet, um, but we got to really, you know, we're, we're, 
you know, we got to start, you know, get this thing going here. Um, and once we started, once we got into the bullpen, I, I kind of said to myself, okay, uh, we, we got a real shot here. Once Casey Clemens had that two-run home run, I said we got a real shot here, and then we just exploded. But, again, it was one of those things where we were such, such a hot team at the time. We were, we, we were looking to win our eighth grade, looking to go to 6-0 and on the homestand. And it, it just felt like you felt invincible. You felt like, you know, when your parents say when you're younger, you know, when you, you, know, you feel like you're invincible now, but wait until you're about 20 years down the line. It felt, that's how it felt. It felt like we could do no wrong during that homestand. It felt like no lead was safe, and that happened to be the case last Sunday. Nine runs scored. That brought you back. That gave you the 10-9 lead in the bottom of the fifth inning and three more in the seventh. Then one more run in the eighth inning for a 14-9 win overall. Four eight games, Brock Lundquist, Alberto Mineo, Kevin Smith scored four, reached base four times, four times aboard for Joshua Palacios and onward. Your lineup right now looks like it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and like I said, it, it's very balanced. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. That's something we didn't have, you know, and now, you know, with some new additions as well, I, I mean, it's, it's as balanced as it's going to get here going into this final push here for the playoffs, you know, and it's a good balance, in other words, you know, in terms of, um, the amount of right-handed batters and the proper amount of left-handed batters and switch hitters and guys who, um, you know, could take a night off and we won't lose anything from the lineup, right? So, you know, if Nash Knight needs a night off or if Roddy Orozco needs, you know, a, a night off, you know, we still have the necessary amount of switch hitters and left-handed batters that we can stick in and mix in that balances out the order. So, um, you know, this this lineup right now, you know, it's going well and uh, we hope it continues here. Um through the final stretch of the season. And finally, with Jim Tarabokia with the DJs, who's a player on your team whose numbers, they're actually playing better than that. They're better than the numbers that they've put up. Well, I think it's Nash Knight. And I, I think with, with Nash, you know, he's, he was uh, in a, unfortunately, in a 3 for 31 skid there um, last week. But, you know, he's, very, he's a pretty good defender. You know, he's a versatile player. You can put him at third. You can put him at first. Put him at second. Put him in the outfield if need be. Great clubhouse guy. Um, you know Nash. Uh, I love Nash. I think he's a, he is uh, he, he's a, just a great kid. And um, actually, yeah, he, he, I'm not. I'm, I won't tell you the story. You probably know it, but um, he told me a story in the cafeteria a couple of weeks ago about how uh, he knew that um, the person that he uh, married, his wife, he knew that she was the one. I'm going to try. I'm going to tell that story on the uh, on the air next week, uh, hopefully. But um, you know that Nash is just a great kid, and. Uh, you know, like I said, he's a versatile defender. He's a switch hitter, which again really helps late in late game matchups if the opposing manager does play that matchup. Um, and that's something that um, is really uh, under understated. And uh, you know, with Nash, I think, like I said, you know, the versatility and uh, his ability to also get on base as well. And like I said, he was maybe he may have been three for thirty-one, but he was starting to hit the ball harder and harder. And, and he had the guy who read for his call, double A. Uh, he ripped off a 12-game history, and he could do that again, too. He's he a very good hitter. So uh, I think Nash Knight is really that, to answer your question, the guy. Um, his numbers might not be there right now, but he's such an important piece to this uh, Blue Jays club. At Jim Terra on Twitter for Jim Terrabokia. The DJs are on the road over this weekend at Charlotte, but then they come right back in. They take on Jupiter, followed by St. Lucie next week. Seven-game homestand going August 13th through August the 19th. Jim, thank you very much, and absolutely send over the audio. We'll play it next week of Palacios' great game-winning catch. Will do, Jesse. Thank you, buddy. Have a good week.
Yeah, good to hear from you. This has been Around the Nest for another week, Jay talking our way around the Toronto Blue Jays organization. Enormous thanks to the minor leaguer, minor underscore leaguer on Twitter, and to Bluebird Banter, our SB Nation partner. Follow us on Twitter at Around Nest. My name is Jesse Goldberg-Strassler at Jay Goldstrass. Big thanks this week. Dante DeCario with the Lansing Lugnuts, Jim Tarabokia with the Dunedin Blue Jays, Pat Malacara with the Buffalo Bisons, Tyler Zickel with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, Rob Fay with the Vancouver Canadians, and Zach Helton with the Bluefield Blue Jays. It is so much fun for us to let you know exactly what's going on in the organization. And New Hampshire is having such a successful year. Lansing is 22 games above 500 ending uh, today. Dunedin battling it out for the playoffs. Bluefield battling it out. Vancouver battling it out. And Buffalo has Vladdy Jr. That's pretty exciting in its own right. You're getting to hear about and see, especially with the video, all that we have seen from Lansing to Dunedin to New Hampshire and before that with Bluefield. Not Vancouver, unfortunately, for Rob, but all of that that we have seen. It is fun to let you know about and to tell you these stories from another week of action. Thank you again for listening in, for supporting us. Ask your questions at Around Nest. Ask anything that you'd like. If we are able to answer it, we will. If you would like any more interviews or more sound bites, we can do that too. For now, though, enjoy the baseball. And we'll Jay talk some more next week.